Surprise bonus episode. Woo! So hey there, everybody. So I've got a little surprise bonus episode for you guys today. Um, It is just me today. Tessa is still on her hiatus for work. Um, So, you know, all of our positive energy and happy thoughts go out to Tessa. Um, But we've got something special for you guys today. Um, So a few months ago, Tessa and I received an email about a movie coming out called Big Fur, which is about... Uh, world championship taxidermist Ken Walker and how he recreated uh, Bigfoot as a taxidermy model. It's super cool. It's like a feature length film about his, you know, process and how he made it. And anyway, so we were we were contacted to review the movie and, and asked if we wanted to interview them on our show. So we obviously said yes. So what we've got for you guys today is an interview with Ken Walker and the movie's director, Dan Wayne. So I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, well, hi, gentlemen. Thank you so much for reaching out to us, first of all. That was so cool. We've never had anything like that really happen to us before. So well, now it'll happen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So uh, first off, I just wanted to let you know Tessa will not be joining us today. She's got a lot of work going on. She works for a news station and they've been laying off a bunch of people. So she's been picking up a lot of extra work. So she just, she does not have time to do anything podcast related right now, unfortunately. So you've just got me today. Okay. Well, that's better than nothing. (laughs) So, uh, your your film was absolutely fascinating, and I, I learned a lot, not just about Bigfoot, but uh, I learned a lot about taxidermy that I did not know prior to watching this film. So it was very, very interesting, and I really enjoyed watching it. Oh, thank you. That's good. Um, so, Dan, I, question for you. What inspired you, first of all, to to do this movie? Like, like how did you come up with the idea? How did you even meet Ken? Um, and then, you know, how did the movie kind of get rolling from there? Well, Sammy, I'm glad you asked. That's usually the first question I get. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, Ken's heard this answer a few times, but you know, I, um, I, I started looking for, well, I, I started learning about taxidermy. I've always had this interest in taxidermy. Mm-hmm. And I got some books, and then I found this this internet forum, which was a really fascinating place. Uh, it's on a site called taxidermy.net, and okay. all the best taxidermists in the world are on there. Okay. Uh, and they're sharing tips with each other and helping beginners like me, and there's tutorials, and it's this amazing source of information. And, you know, before this, before the internet, it was kind of hard to learn taxidermy. You could learn it through correspondence courses or, mm-hmm. or library books, but it wasn't, you know, you pretty much had to apprentice with somebody. Right. And a lot of those taxidermists kept their, their, you know, their trade secrets, you know, held very tightly. And the internet really changed all that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there was that cool aspect of it, but pretty quickly I got more interested in the really weird kind of outcast 
artists that were practicing right. taxidermy. And there were some crazy stories on there. And I started following these people and I thought, I bet there's a really interesting documentary here because most people don't understand what goes into taxidermy. And right. I've always always felt it was this underappreciated art form. So oh, I absolutely. Really, I set out to make a movie about, you know, taxidermy as a form of art, mm -hmm. you know, like good taxidermy, of course. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, so I was following a lot of these characters, and Ken was kind of near the top of the list because, you know, he's kind of funny, and, and he's one of the best. Well, yeah, absolutely. The best in the world, and, and, uh, and he's also known for these recreations, which are real kind of unique niche uh, area. You right. Know, most taxidermists will specialize in birds or fish or mammals, but, you know, these recreations are you know, endangered or extinct animals made out of other animal hides. Mm -hmm. And and it's a real fascinating, you know, unique form. Right. Um, so, you know, I was aware of Ken's, um, his Irish elk, which made a big splash in, mm -hmm. the, in the taxidermy community. And he did a saber-toothed tiger and mm -hmm. a giant panda. And so, you know, what, he was the first person I approached uh, when I decided it was time to kind of, you know, pull the trigger and start this project. And, and he was pretty into it, and, um, you know, he, we started talking about Bigfoot, which happens a lot when you talk to Ken, and, uh, <laughs> and he told me he was going to make a Bigfoot, and I thought, oh, there's the movie, you know? Right. So, um, so the movie, it takes place over the course of three years, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, yeah, the bulk of the story is three years. Okay. It took me a little longer to finish it, but, but almost all the shooting happens within three years. Right. So were there any um, challenges that presented themselves having to film throughout, like, the the Canadian year? Because as somebody who grew up in, in North and South Dakota, I'm, I'm very familiar with what winters can potentially be like in Canada. And I, I assume that it, that can make filming very difficult at times. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the summers aren't easy up there either. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, the first, I think my first trip up there was in uh, late April or May of 2013. Okay. In April. And, uh, yeah, we had, like, a blizzard snowstorm. Right. Like, what, what, what have I done? <laughs> 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 taxidermy in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's a little challenging, you know, flights and layovers and right. that kind of stuff can be tricky in the winter, but, um, you know, mainly it's just the, it's so far away. You know, yeah. I drove up there once and spent a lot of time right, you know, on right. that trip up there, but it's it's a long way. It's, you know, it's a good three-day drive Oh yeah. Miami, Kansas City to get there, and then, you know, I mean, he was flying. You know, it's a challenge. No, no, I'm. I'm. I'm definitely yeah, aware of that. So, sure. yeah, yeah, no, the the distance is definitely something I understand. Like I said, I I grew up in North and South Dakota. That's where my family all lives, and I live down in Mississippi right now. So it's like, you know, it's comparable. It's not exactly the same, but it's about this. You know, it's a it's a long distance, and driving or even flying can take you know a long time. So I, I totally understand that. Um, yeah, and you know, I filmed quite a bit, you know, in in, in the the area uh, on the on the eastern slopes of the Rockies, where mm -hmm. we shot, you know, some of the Bigfoot stuff, right? Know, where, where the Bigfoot 
habituation area is, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, those people in Canada, they're like, oh yeah, it's real close by, near Hinder, you know, and it's like, well, that's over three hours away for Canada's, yeah. to me, that's not close, you know, to me, that's a haul. Yeah. Canadian distance, they have a different reference. No, that's that that translates to the the Dakotas as well. You know, like the for for my family, the closest um, like McDonald's or or anything was like well over an hour away, and people just go there, you know, on a whim. Um, And you know, three four hours to the closest big big city was not that far away. So it's like, you know, yeah, distances are distances are very um, subjective when you're used to things being far away. So I, I understand that yeah. a little bit. Um, so so Ken, question for you: um, what was what was your um, initial response when when Dan asked you to make a movie about your Bigfoot endeavor? Right. I don't, I don't understand why more people don't, you know, uh, pick it as a subject. Because right. It's, it's, it's intensely fascinating to look at. Yeah. You don't even have to know what people are saying just to enjoy it. Uh, and so, you know, he, but I, I didn't realize the scope of what he was doing. You know, I thought it was going to be another, you know, a short film or a, mm-hmm. you know, something like this. And then, you know, as we kind of got into it, he's like, no, no, this is a feature-length movie. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, you've mentioned that you you worked on the Irish elk and the saber tooth tiger and the giant panda, and and now you've added Bigfoot to extinct and endangered and and even cryptid creatures. Um, what else do you have on your list of creatures that are either uh, extinct or maybe mythological that you've either done or would like to work on next? Right. And once I looked at the Patterson film, I realized that that was proper reference. Yeah, absolutely. I have a trained eye for it. Right? That, you know, the, the, the creature that's in that film is outside of human parameters. And right. Because that's, and I saw that right away. So that I thought, okay, well, now I have something to build. Right. Uh, so that was why I built it, because I, I knew that I could build it accurately. Right. Uh, now, I want to do a short-faced bear. Okay. Uh, Right. Yeah. That one is also on the plate. I've got 
Oh, that's um, awesome. You know, but it, these things are kind of labors of love, which means, you know, it's love or money. Right. Yeah, no, I, so, I understand. So. Yeah, so that's, you know, so I have a few things on the go. I, I, I would like to be able to free my, my time up to do more of them. Mm-hmm. The reason I asked is because I actually I have a taxidermy uh, jackalope sitting right next to me on my desk right now. So that that was the reason I asked if you'd ever even done anything like that. I'm sure you've seen them, especially being from Canada and the Midwestern area. So I'm I'm sure you've seen them all over the place. So oh, yeah, jackalopes jackalopes are uh, you know they were kind of a staple in the commercial era in the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. I did a, quite a number of them. You know, you get the uh, you find the right set of small antlers and then you get your uh, white-tailed furry hair. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they're big and they're really they're really nice and we put them together all the time. Right. Uh, I haven't done any for a long time. It's just I've been so busy doing specialty work. Right, right, right. Uh, of course. Yeah, no, no there's, there's a lot of things. I mean, some people make, you know, people are putting bear jaw sets inside deer heads now and with the rogue movement, you're seeing a lot of that. Right. So, um, like I said, this this movie definitely taught me a lot about taxidermy. I don't, I don't know why I never realized how much sculpting went into it. You know, like, um, I don't know what I assumed happened. I, I guess I just kind of assumed that, you know, the, the hides were stuffed, but I, I didn't really understand or realize that you actually, you have to be a sculptor. Like, I mean, just like anybody would sculpt with like marble or, or clay or anything like that, you have to sculpt with styrofoam and and it it was absolutely impressive just to see you know you'd get these blocks of styrofoam and you could see the arms and the the legs inside the styrofoam before it was even cut that was that was incredible to me um and like i said i don't know why i never realized that so that was just such a learning experience just to see the artistry that goes into taxidermy it was really impressive you have an amazing amazing skill and talent so, Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I really, uh, really like this movie for the reason being is that it really uh, bridges a gap between people who, who have, like yourself, who have never really thought about taxidermy, and it brings it forward in a very simplistic and accurate way. Like the way that Dan uh, laid the whole thing out and explained it got everybody not, o- not only, you know, understanding from the beginning, you know, what goes into it, but actually wanting to see more, wanting to learn more. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, that was really, really good because obviously when I'm teaching people, I'm teaching them advanced things, and right. things like that. And, and I've always had a hard time bridging that um, that first gap. Like, I, don't, I try not to teach beginners because you don't really need a, a, t- a world champion taxidermist to teach you how to thin a skin, you know, and right. things like that. Right. But th- this movie does a really good job of, of bringing it forward in a very positive and honest way. Uh, that that was, I think, one of the best aspects of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that people got a you know uh, a non judgmental, accurate look at, at exactly what goes into it. And you know, the carving aspect is I I am the hugest fan in the world of Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. And I remember Michelangelo when they asked him how it was that he could do such beautiful sculptures. He used to say, "I didn't do it. The sculpture was already there. I just took away everything that wasn't the sculpture." Right. Yeah. And it sounds like a smart ass answer, but it's not. <laughs> that is actually the mindset. Right. That is that is exactly right. If it doesn't look like it belongs, you take it away. Right. So yeah, it, it, it's uh, definitely the, the more artistic talent and ability and eyes that you have, the better taxidermist you're going to be. There's no two ways about it. Right. 
No, like I said, it was it was very very in, enlightening and impressive to to watch. Um, so to to steer a little bit away from the taxidermy, um, obviously there is a, a decent amount of the film that is um, revolving around your Roy Orbison impersonation and and your and your singing career and and everything. So uh, as somebody who it also enjoys karaoke and has been involved in you know musical theater and in singing on on stage and performances. Um, is singing something that you've done throughout your life or was that something that you kind of discovered later in life that you could do or uh, well, music, music was always there. My mother, uh, objected me to music very early you mm-hmm. know, from the time we were babies and Roy Emerson was one of the, the people that she played. Uh, you know, she, she listened to a lot of things, you know, Tom Jones, you know, Johnny Mathis, but mm-hmm. my mother's interests were on the vocalist and she, my mother is Welsh. Okay. Or was Welsh. And, uh, all of the Welsh people in our family are like every other Welsh family. They're singers. Right. Um, my brother is, I mean, he's got a beautiful baritone voice. He sounds like me, but he's, I'm more of a tenor. Okay. Than he is because he's bigger and I'm smaller. Right. But, uh, but you know, he's, he's a, a very accomplished singer and my sisters can all sing, you know, and my, now my daughter's thing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but, and the fact that the, the Roy Orbison thing, it just, I just kind of, sound like him if I try. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I actually got hired at a karaoke. Some guy walked up to me and said to me, he says, can you sing another Roy Orbison song and try to sound like Roy? And I said, okay. So I went up and I think I sang Crying. And, and the guy hired me on the spot to be a Roy Orbison impersonator. And I thought that was, it got me out of the house at the time. Right, right. No, that's really yeah, cool. But, uh, to be fair, Ken is good at, at uh, doing impersonations of a lot of different people, including oh. a lot of people that are in the film. Which is funny because you know, he'll do. <laughs> yeah, he's very good at that. Well, and uh, and also to um, I, I write a lot of songs. Okay. Uh, I have a, a whole cassette here that I'm redoing. I, I bought myself a, a works a workstation with uh, vocal capabilities on it, and I'm actually working on on redoing a, a demo of my original material. Oh and wow! We wrote Big Fur's gonna fly right in the studio. We wrote it right on the spot. You know, oh wow! The theme song, and, and there's actually on YouTube there's a, a video of it. That's the reason I got the the, the lyric sheet in my hand is because we just wrote it. Oh but, wow! I didn't uh, realize that. That's incredible. Yeah, that song at the end is, and uh, I've always been able to write music. You know, uh, just always been able to do it. And even before I could play, I could I could write a song. Mm-hmm. I remember the first one, and I still one of my better songs. I figured out one one finger at a time on the piano, and so. You know, it's yeah. Music is is kind of a, a gift in my family, and uh, I really enjoy it. I wish I, I wish I could do more of it. You know, um, right? But like bills to pay and animals and stuff. You know how it is. Right. Yeah. No. I. I... <laughs> I totally understand. I've got, you know, musical hobbies and this podcast hobby as well. And it's like right now they're just hobbies. I've got, you know, I've got a job to pay the bills and these are just things that I do on the side just for the the passion and the love of it. So I, I totally understand. So. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, no, we, uh, we wrote that song and then, of course, we, we recorded three songs. We recorded, uh, well, In Dreams, you saw that. We also mm-hmm. recorded Pretty Woman. And, and then... Uh, Big Fur's Gonna Fly, which was the theme song right. that, that I wrote. And uh, so, uh, you know, it was a bucket list of mine to, to do something like that. It was so much fun. And, and, he, and the guys that in Kansas City that I worked with, I mean, mm-hmm. they always said, you know, come back and we'll do a project. And I would love to do it. 
That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, you know, for something to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so back to you, Dan. Uh, a question that I had for you was. Um, what is what is the takeaway that you hope audiences get from this? Like, I mean, obviously, they're probably going to take away some knowledge or at least general knowledge of, of taxidermy and of Bigfoot. But um, what's the message that you hope people take away from your film? Well, you know, that's funny because it kind of did start out that, you know, the whole idea was to get across this point that, you know, taxidermy is this really involved and complicated art form. Mm -hmm. And I think it was successful in, in showing that, uh, especially, you know, after talking to people that have seen it, that, you know, were afraid they were going to get grossed out or whatever, right. you know, going into it. Um, but then, uh, you know, as, as the Bigfoot theme kind of took on a, a bigger part of the project and then, you know, working or hanging out with so many taxidermists who are hunters and, and, you know, are, conservationists, this kind of message came out to me about, and, and Ken, of course, was very instrumental in, in pointing this out, that, you know, the environmentalists and the, and the conservationists don't always get along. Mm -hmm. And, right. you know, as a, you know, I think that even though they have the same goals in mind, they don't work together. And yeah. if they did, they'd be much more effective. But they, you know, like so many elements of our society... You know, they see each other in stereotypes and right. they think, well, those, you know, the, you know, they, the extremists always scream a little louder. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. And, and so, you know, it's like not all environmentalists are peed up members and, mm -hmm. you know, and not all, you know, conservationists, you know, want to kill the last white rhino, you know. Right. It's like, you know, there's, and, and so that's kind of one of those things that, that I would hope you know, kind of comes through and right. that environmental theme, you know, when it, when it kind of showed up and when it reared its ugly head, <laughs> it was a really big part of the film and, and in the process of editing got cut down to, you know, just about as small as it could have been, like everything right. in the film, you still get the point across. And, right. and I hope that that theme, you know, some people do certainly pick up on that and right. I would hope that 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 would, you know, maybe even apply to other areas. Right. But, you know, yeah, we all we all share the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a. I think, I think that it was done in a really good way. And, and if I just can say really quickly here, is the movie, although it has messages, it's presented as food for thought, and the movie is not agenda driven. Right. And it, which makes it enjoyable. You can laugh at it. You don't have to agree with anything, but you can still enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I really like that about the movie. It doesn't preach. It's not agenda driven, but it does have food for thought. Right. It's, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think so, too. Uh, Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have one last question for you, uh, specifically you, Ken. Uh, at the very end of the movie, you mentioned that there is uh, conclusive proof that will be brought forward soon. Is there any chance you can enlighten us a little bit on what you meant by that? Okay. Uh, but the thing is, the problem with that particular um, thing is, I've, I've, I've brought people in, and everybody.
Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So now whenever I, I dig things up and find things that could possibly bring conclusive evidence forward, I don't share them for, uh, you know, just because so they don't get out of hand, but I keep my eye, eye on them. Okay. And I did uncover an incident where uh, it is possible that there could be conclusive proof. And uh, I'm still working with it. That's, um, that's awesome. Gotcha. Uh, you know, and the thing is, but there's also there's also this underlying thing about uh, you know if, if if I found it, well, and other people already know about it, right? And this is something that that you run into while you're investigating, isn't it? Literally, if you get real close to the truth, that you'll find that you're being kind of watched or followed. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, and until, but I have, I have, um, just I have plans in place that if something ever comes forward, that we can bring them forward in such a way as it can't be discounted. Right. So we're very, very careful, and I'm not working alone. I'm working with very good people, and it's hard to find good people in this realm. I, I um, have no doubt in my mind that it is. Yeah. So, so there is, there's something that that I that was very new when we filmed that scene. Not so new anymore, but it's just as valid. Right. And um, it's like I said in the movie: whether or not anything ever comes that I had anything to do with it, I don't know yet. And that still is the point. Um, you're at the mercy of other people, right? In, yeah. In these kind of investigations, and there's a lot at stake for a lot of these people. Right. So yeah, and and but on the other hand, I've got an army of people looking. Yeah. Right. Well, I will keep my eyes peeled and my ears open because I am definitely interested to hear any news that comes out of this. So I'm, I'm yeah. definitely going to be yeah. paying attention to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you want? The top half or the bottom half? <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Because <laughs> I, I eat fish. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, no, I, I get know, what you're saying. People should really look into it. Like, that's what I did. When I started hearing stories, I looked into it. I thought, I'm going to be open about this. Right. Man, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for what I found out. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, I don't. I don't tell people to believe in what I believe or anything like that. But you know, if you want to have an opinion, look into it. 
Absolutely. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's kind of how um, Tessa and I approach our podcast. You know, it's it's never we're trying to convince people that these conspiracy theories or that these cryptids are real, but just we present factual evidence and research-based, you know, understanding of what's going on and, and let people draw their own conclusions, you know. Um, yeah, which is great, which is, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, I couldn't agree more. but, well, yeah. thank you both so much for, for, you know, agreeing to talk to us and, and for letting us view the movie in advance. Um, Dan, when, when does this movie come out and where can people see it when it does? I'm glad you asked. Uh, it will be released digitally uh, across just about every transactional platform known to man okay. on August 11th. August so it'll 11th. Be like iTunes and Google Play and Amazon, that kind of stuff. And then hopefully, uh, not long after that, uh, it'll be on one of the subscription streaming services. Uh, but we don't know that yet. Awesome. Uh, but if you go to the website, bigfurmovie.com, uh, there'll be information uh, that you can follow to, to purchase or rent it or, or what have you. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you both so much. I really appreciate this. Um, I will make sure to put all sorts of like links and information uh, in our episode description when this goes up on uh, the 15th of July. So it'll, it'll come, this episode will come out about a month before the movie is released. Um, but yes, yeah, so I will make sure that all the information is up there for everybody yeah, to find. That's great. But I, mean, I think you'll be able to pre-order it too. So when oh, awesome! I get, uh, when I get a link, I'll send it to you. Sounds great. Well, once again, thank you both so much. I really appreciate this. Uh, the movie was yeah, fantastic, and and your work is both of your work is absolutely incredible. So. Well, thanks, Sammy. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's fun. So once again, the movie is called Big Fur, and you can find it everywhere on August 11th. Uh, you can also go check out their website at bigfurmovie.com. So thank you guys for listening. I know this was a little bit different than what we normally do, but we hope you really enjoyed it. And we'll be back on August 1st with more episodes. Our, our season five will kick off. Um, once again, the, the new season is going to be a little bit different than it has been in the past. Um, since Tessa's still on her hiatus, it's going to be me. And then I'm going to have special guests every week to uh, take Tessa's spot. And they will either cover a conspiracy or a cryptid, and I will be covering the opposite of them. So we hope that you guys will stay tuned for season five and bear with us as we kind of shake things up a little bit. So thank you guys again for listening. We really love and appreciate your support and love and appreciate each and every one of you. And don't forget, Big Brother is watching. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Conspiracies and Cryptids with Sammy and Tessa. Don't forget to check out our website, www.conspiraciesencryptids.com, for more episodes and other information. And if you're really enjoying what we're doing, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash cryptipod. That's C-R-Y-P-T-I-P-O-D. There you can find different ways to support us and get some awesome goodies along the way. While you're at it, you can also find us on all of your favorite social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's any one of those at Cryptopod. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please think about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Leave us five stars and a nice little blurb about why you like us. It helps us to gain some traction and find some new listeners and while you're at it don't forget to tell your friends because our friends are your friends <laughs> and don't forget big, big brother, brother is, is watching, watching.